Good afternoon and welcome to uh, Demolition Daily live stream uh, number four. Can't believe we've been doing this for four days now. Um, I've got a lot to say today, um, not all of it good, not all of it positive. Um, and as a result of that, I've had to make quite a few notes. So if I'm not looking in the eye, I do apologize because I've got some notes on the screen here. Um, on the positive side, I just wanted to say a massive thanks to all those that have taken part, the, the guests uh, for, first and foremost, but also all of those of you that have commented over the past few days, that shared the, uh, the resulting video on social media. I took a very quick look at the stats this morning, and it appears that we're currently doubling our global audience every other day, which you know is unheard of. It's just an incredible thing. So thanks to everyone that's, that's been involved. Now, just to be clear, we're doing this basically as a, as a public service. So the size of the audience, to my mind, doesn't really matter because I'm not I'm not trying to make any money out of it. That being said, if there are any companies out there that would like to sponsor the show, we'd be more than happy to have you on board. Um, but we are sharing vital information and advice uh, literally every day so the more people that get to see it the better so please keep sharing and keep contributing now i've mentioned the word the, the dread word sponsorship I've, I've had a couple of questions about the uh the hats that i'm wearing there is a couple of reasons to this i've just come back from las vegas to the Conexpo show where i collected i think at last came about 15 hats so if this coronavirus goes on for three weeks i've got a hat per day um so i can keep that going there is a more practical reason than that as well there is a light in this room that's directly above my head um and if if i don't have a hat on it shows up the fact that i'm going bald very very rapidly and i end up with this halo around my head which isn't particularly attractive so um that's the reason for the hat also the the, the beard is starting to get unruly just I, I normally go and get my beard trimmed about once a fortnight. Um, very nice Turkish guy up the road who, who makes me look spick and span. Uh, obviously, that isn't happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, you'll, by the end of this, I'll probably end up looking like Robinson Crusoe. And for that, I apologize. Um, before we get into the, the real crux of things, we've, we've got a couple of guests lined up uh, for today's show. Um, we've got Mike Keogh from uh, Demolition Consultants, uh, C&D Consultancy. Um, Mike was one of the first that actually triggered to, in my mind, the the sheer scale of of the, the likely coronavirus outbreak while I was in the states, uh, he sent me a photograph of a very deserted uh, Euston station in London, which Euston station isn't empty when when there are no trains, uh, and yet there it was. Also joining us a bit later on is uh, technology allowing is David Kent of uh, Veritas Consulting. Uh, David's a, a health and safety expert. It's also his birthday today, so I, I will thank him. I hope I remember to thank him for coming on on his birthday. But before I get to that, um, I, I think it's time for a bit of a rant uh, about effectively the industry's response, or in some cases, lack thereof, uh, to the COVID outbreak. I've, I've said the word industry, and I guess I mean more moreover than that is is the self-appointed trade associations that supposedly represent the industry and its workers. I, I I don't know how any trade body that claims to speak for an industry can continue to fudge rather than calling for all sites to be closed. If if you think think about the situation that we're in at the moment, if there's a remote remote chance that someone could be hit on the head with a falling object, the industry quickly mandates that everyone should wear hard hats. Simple. If there's a remote chance that somebody could be hit by a vehicle or a piece of equipment, the industry insists that we wear high-vis clothing. Absolutely justifiable and perfectly right. As we stand today, there's a very real possibility that demolition and construction workers could be infected with a deadly virus. 
And it's killing more people each day than construction kills in a year. And then the industry responds by basically sitting on the effect, sitting on the fence and issuing guidance, while there's thousands and possibly tens of thousands of workers potentially exposed. I don't want to labour the point, but I, all of this was was kind of this live stream was born out of a message I had from from Italy um, about the situation they have there. They are further down this curve that everyone keeps referring to than we are. Um, and and here's I, I just thought I captured this on on Twitter earlier. I am paraphrasing, um, but this is the reality of life in Italy. This is from a, I can't remember the guy's name, but this is an unnamed um, Twitter guy. Um, and this is what he has to say. And, and this is aimed at, at us, effectively, us here in the UK. You don't even have a clue what awaits you in a few weeks. Two weeks ago, we were hanging out, going to work, taking our children to school. Now we leave the house once a week for groceries, masks and gloves. We can travel less than one kilometre from our homes and our movements are tracked. There is a 206 euro fine if we break the rules. Everything that can be rebuilt as a hospital is being repurposed. A cruise ship that's docked at Genoa is currently being converted. Patients that are hopeless are being allowed to die by hospitals. If they bring in two patients, a 30-year-old and a 50-year-old, they will save the 30-year-old because there's not enough respirators to go around. Now, that is the stark reality of what's happening and, and what is potentially facing us here in the UK if we continue to send our men and our women to work. It really is as simple as that. Now, I, I do realise, you know, this is an unprecedented situation. Um, I, I'll, I'll gladly admit that I've been kind of impressed by the way that, that the British politicians have, have rolled with the punches and, and have got their act together and, uh, you know, they, they've responded in the right way. Perhaps a little slowly at the start, but I think they've re responded in the same way, in the right way. I also realise that there are some sites that absolutely must remain open. You know, there will be vital jobs that are going on that, that you know, could potentially impinge on um, the, the health efforts for the NHS. Um, you can't just walk away from a demolition site if there's you know, potentially debris hanging over a, a footpath or something like that. So I understand that. And I also realise there really isn't just a binary solution. Somebody can wave a magic wand and all of this will be better. But the news today shows or suggests that there are tier one contractors out there that are effectively bullying subcontractors to remain at work, despite the undeniable and proven risks that they're putting people at. Now, I, this is a situation that calls for leadership. You know, we've, we've looked at that with, with our politicians. And although, I've, as I've stated before, I'm certainly no um, member of the uh, Boris Johnson fan club, but the guy stepped up to the plate. What we need is for our trade associations to do the same, uh, to show some backbone, to show some leadership. And if, organiser, if organisations like Build UK really cared about their members and their members' employees, surely they would have issued an edict days ago to say that's it close the sites if they're not essential close them instead of which we've still got a situation where we have workers traveling to and from site day in day out exposing themselves and potentially others to a deadly threat i let's not forget this is also an organization that demands we all carry a, a little bit of plastic to prove that we're competent in our job and that we understand the, the concept of health and safety 
their failure to respond quickly and decisively on this, frankly, in my, to my mind, and it is just to my mind, that is to their eternal shame. And, and they and, and many of the contractors they represent are treating demolition and construction workers like cannon fodder. I sincerely hope that when, when all of this is eventually over, everyone will remember this. Now, sadly, Build UK and their ilk are not the only people on my shit list today. Um, I've spoken before about my dismay at the construction industry training board's refusal to freeze its levy. Uh, but they've been trumped. They've absolutely been trumped. NOCN or Knocken, as they're known, which recently acquired the CPCS scheme from the CITB, has responded to the issue of cards expiring during the COVID nineteen crisis. Uh, COVID nineteen crisis. Now, I guess first of all, what kind of a a bottom feeding reptile is checking and quibbling over the validity of a CPCS card? at a time when the UK is converting an exhibition centre into a 4,000-bed hospital come morgue to deal with the tsunami of COVID cases. It, it takes a special breed of Jobsworth to be doing that kind of thing. But that's an aside. The good folks at, at Knockin have decided that to ensure that operators have a valid card that they will issue an emergency cover card at a cost of 15 quid a pop. Now, they, they could extend all of the cards universally to the end of the year or beyond. You know, they, they can make the rules up as they go along. But there's no money in that, is there? Instead, an operator that's potentially risking his own life and that of his family to go to work has now got to stump up 15 quid for the privilege. It just With all that's going on, with all the the various demolition companies and, and individuals within the demolition business are doing to help the NHS, to, to help their workers, to, you know, just generally for the greater good. And then you've got that. Now, aside from anything else, what does that say about the value of that CPCS card? Now, under normal circumstances, operators are expected to attend a course to prove their competence to, to secure this coveted card that they need. They then have to renew it every so often to prove that the, everything they've learned hasn't suddenly fallen out of their head. Then, when the chips are down, Knocken have decided they can just grant an additional 12 months so long as you're willing to pay over 15 quid. At a time when many of those operators may be struggling to put food on the table for themselves and their family. Uh, if, if somebody can explain that to me, I, I, you know, I just can't believe how crass and heartless and greedy you'd need to be to do that it also suggests to me that you know, they're just lacking in compassion and, and they're just out of touch with with the industry that they're serving and the people they're there to protect um hopefully my my, my guests who are lining up as we speak uh, will be able to disagree or, or tell me the error of my ways on that so that's my, my rant over um I said earlier we've got a couple of guests on board. I can see that uh, Mike Keogh of uh, C&D Consultancy is waiting in the wings. So let me bring Mike in. Good afternoon, Mike. Good to see you. Hi, Mark. You okay? Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, sorry you had to sit through the rant, but that's uh, that's kind of what they pay me to do. Um, 
I, I mentioned earlier when I was introducing you, you were actually the person that, that really brought into sharp focus for me the, the severity or the potential severity of the COVID crisis. Uh, when I was in Las Vegas, you, you kindly sent me a photograph of uh, London Euston Station or a deserted London Euston Station, which was, I don't know, five o'clock at night when it should have been packed with literally tens of thousands of people. And I think that was really the first indication that I, I'd seen of just how serious this issue was likely to be and, and, and uh, has become since. You're spending a lot of your time uh, in London, or you traditionally spend a lot of your time in London. What are you doing at the moment? Um, well, firstly, that particular night, I was shocked when I got back into Euston Station. Um, I'd looked to see a couple of sites, I'd done a visit, and then I got back into the station. It was five o'clock on a, a Thursday night, which traditionally is a really, really busy time for Euston Station. And it was sparse. I mean, I sat next to somebody and I counted the number of people and there was 30 people, maybe 30, 35 people in, in, in the station. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was, it, was, it was surreal. So that sort of come home to me, really, that the fact that this was a, a serious and, you know, the epidemic and the pandemic is really, really starting to hit London at that point really hard. And as as I mentioned there, you you know you spend a lot of your time going in and out of London. I mean, your your accents clearly proves that you're not from London, but no. you, you you do a lot of your work in London. Are you still doing that? Well, not at the minute. We've 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 suspended all our work into London. We haven't been to London now for a couple of weeks. Um, we're working from home. We've done one visit out of the office, and that was only on a Section seventy eight emergency procedure where. A chimney stack has was started to fail and was collapsing onto a residential property. So we went out to look at that under for the council, and we stayed in the car. We didn't get out. Um, we've done some meta statements, but what we've been doing since this has, has kicked off has really just been doing everything from the office planning wise. But we've 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 took the well, I've took the view that you know to stay off the site and to stay away until this comes on because, as you said before, this is. Well, it's unprecedented, uncharted waters, and it's a, it's a war that we're, we're in against a, an enemy that we can't see, touch, feel, or, or smell. And it's, it's a real bad, bad situation we're in at the minute. Now, just on that subject, I mean, you, without trying to um, butter you up too much, I mean, C&D Consultancy is a consultant to some of the biggest uh, demolition companies out there. You know, that I think they, well, I don't think I know they value your your input and your expertise um, very, very highly. What is your advice at the moment on, on things like keeping sites open or do you not get involved in that? Um, my own personal opinion, and I can only say this is my own personal opinion, is, is that, you know, having seen some of the, the images from Italy and seen what's happening is, is for me, is, is to keep the sites closed. Um, if we can prevent anything from today, one, you know, one death of the family. I mean, I went Mother's Day the weekend and, you know, I, I dropped the presents off and, and food at my mum's and, and sat at the doorstep and didn't go in. You know, this is un, unprecedented times that, that we're in. And some of the sites and some of the pictures I've seen this week of, you know, 30, 40, 50, even 100 men sitting there in the canteen you know, sitting next to each other, it, it, it can't continue. You know, it, it's got to stop. And thankfully today, looking at the news, is a lot of sites have now took, you know, grass that net land have stopped the sites because, you know, you know, this is spreading and so spreading so quick exponentially, it's going through the roof. I mean, we're two weeks behind Italy and we've seen how bad Italy is. And, you know, John Woodward has, you know, spoke to Despay this week and, 
you know, look at the look how bad it is in Italy. We we can't allow it to, to continue here in this site. And you know, unless it's construction sites for hospitals or you know pure infrastructure that's got to keep going and they must keep going. You know, luxury flats, you know, and, and other ones and other programs, you know, I think we should stop. I think we should we should take a step back and we should certainly stop at this point. Now, obviously, you're coming at this from um, a demolition consultant's point of view. Um, I've just seen that David Kent, uh, our health health and safety expert, has just joined us. Uh, good afternoon, David, and a afternoon. very happy birthday to you, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. The, the powers of social media, you see, that, that I know when your birthday is. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that the fact that, you know, we've, we've got sites that are remaining open um, and, you know, the potential risks. And, and as Mike was just saying, you know, there are people sitting side by side and, you know, rubbing shoulders with each other. But the, the situation, I think, with, with construction and with demolition is the fact that it's not just that, you know, you've got to get there. So, you know, you're potentially traveling in a car with somebody or worse mm. still you're traveling on a train or a bus or whatever it might be um, mm. and you're potentially infecting more people than than just the, those that you work with as yes. a as a health and safety ex expert <laughs> what what do you say is should we have just said enough's enough shut everything and, and let this all blow over yeah, in in a, in a nutshell i think i think they should be they should be shut because you're right into, into how people are traveling to sites van sharing car sharing trains whatever it's going to be, they're always going to come in contact with people. Um, I think sometimes it's a, it's a bigger thing. We've got some clients with some sites and we've got the, and some of the funders are saying that we want you to stop open. And I say, if you close without the government's advice, uh, we'll have a bun fight with the, um, for delays and things like that um, after the sites. And I think it's, it's, they're being threatened in, in, in that side of things as well. So it's, they're a bit of a chicken egg because some of our clients, unless the, the government says they're going to close, they'll just keep working. Um, couple, I mean, a couple of our client sites, we've, we've, we've put things into place with the set of their subcontractors. Only one guy in the, the van must um, uh, travel to the site. Uh, it's a lovely sunny day. Benches are all outside for the canteen side of the things. They're all separated out. Uh, it's not ideal, but um, it, it, it's helping the situation on site. Uh, keeping the guys separate, um, but I've I've advised them. You know they they should um, close sites if they can't do the separation side of things and, and the social distancing. Uh, it's it's very difficult when they're on sites um, working away. I mean some of these guys are working uh, in harnesses and things like that. And, and I said, well, if one of these guys fell in the harness, people got to um, uh, you know collect them if they fall and things like that, and then you're going to be in the right problems. So there's all sorts of things and uh, that a lot of clients are going to be in uh, trouble with. I... Hello? Anybody there? Hello? Hello? Uh, so the demolition consultant, you still got you? You got me? You still got me? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Hello? Still there, Mark? Still there? Absolutely. Yeah. You still got me? Yeah, still got you. It's um... fantastic. Okay. Yeah, it gets a bit sketchy from time to time. That's right. I, I guess. I guess a, a wider question is, you know, we, we do live in a, a very sort of litigious society these days, yes. um, and you, you'd have to think there's probably a few solicitors at the moment 
sat in the back office rubbing their hands together right now, thinking, you know, all it takes is for somebody to be forced to go to work or, you know, well, forced, yeah, let's, let's say it yeah. as it is. You know, you, you've got a tier one contractor who's forcing a demolition contractor to go to work against their better judgment, mm. and somebody then picks up the virus and somebody dies. You'd have to think there must be a solicitor out there somewhere thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll have a piece of that. Yeah. In twelve months' time, you'll probably be, uh, there might be a few cases uh, of, of that, and uh, you know some clever solicitor and lawyer may be able to um, do something, shall we say, in, in in that situation. I think it'd be hard to trace it back to the actual workplace and whether it's whether that's where they they originally contacted the uh, the disease. Uh, that'd be the challenge. But I think something might might come of it if if the sites don't close. And people just doing what they want to do and be scared or think it's just a piece of common flu and ignore it. That that might be different. Yeah. Although yeah. I, I I think you're you're right about the traceability. But then when you look at yeah. the Italian experience, you know, the, yeah. it's it's possible to trace it back to a, a sort of central location. Mm. So you know, yeah. if I mean Mike mentioned earlier, you know, a site with a hundred guys on it. You know, if mm. if you have suddenly have a spike in and around, you know, that site or the relatives of the people working on that site, there's your smoking gun right there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, yeah, like I said, the traceability side of things will be, uh, you know, like I say, if, the, if sites are ignoring the guidance and, and there's a, a large spell on that particular site with people being, um, you know, from the, getting the symptoms and it's all recorded, yes, something will come of it because that will be the traceability side of things and a clever lawyer will put that forward because who knows what could happen. I think it's sad today that we're, we're talking about, you know, potential legal cases in, in 12 months where, you know, at the minute we've got a situation where, you know, me, my, my passion is, is demolition. My only focus is to make sure the demolition industry is safe. And mm. the lads who I've, I've grown up with working for me in the case of the last 35 years, my only concern is is their safety. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be putting these guys at risk at the minute. No. You know, you know, you, you said before. You know, I, I had a conversation with Kev Williams, and people know Kev Williams. He said before, you know, if the hard hat wasn't on there, or they scraped the finger, or they didn't mm. have the safety procedures, we'd stop the work. We'd, yeah. we'd, we'd be off the site. Yeah. We've, we've got a situation today where we've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of demolition workers being forced to go to work. <clears throat> you know in terrible conditions where they potentially can, can pick this, you know, this virus up and within two to three weeks can be, you know, in a, in a serious state or, you know, potentially, you know, they could, they could lose their lives. And, 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 and I'm all well and good for because I deal with legal side of it day in, day mm. out. We've got to look after the safety of these guys. These, these oh, are yeah, all yeah. in four weeks time. If we close it down for four weeks time, we can restart this industry. It's, it's a great industry. They've got resilient people that will start the work again. Mm. We've got fantastic demolition contractors with unbelievably talented men. Mm. We can start again in four weeks' time. What we can't do is carry on going and carrying infecting our these guys all the way through for the next so many weeks to the point where you know we, we've got a spike in our own industry. And you mm. know, I, I think we just need to sort of say, look, enough's enough. Let's stop. And from the feedback I'm getting today, Mark is and, and David is a lot of the, a lot of my contractors are out. I act for are stopping work. You know mm. they're self-stopping. You know, um, safe them this morning. We put um, uh, uh, one out this morning so that they've completely stopped work. They pulled all the work back in. I know there's another couple. A lot of contractors in London have stopped work. Mm. No, I think I think they've, they've stopped work, and it's a terrible thing to say. I mean, I, I haven't got. I'm not 
I don't know anything about the tier one contractors bullying anyone. I've not spoken to any of my clients yet, but mm. but if that's a situation, that 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 can't continue. These these guys should not be forced to go to work if there's there's a danger for this virus can 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 get yeah. hold of them. You know, Absolutely. We, yeah. we must. This this has got to stop now. I think we as an industry have got to say, you know, enough's mm. enough. Let's have four weeks off. Look at government yeah. advice in four weeks' time. Let's see where we go from there. And let, let's start again because this industry will come back stronger again, you mm. know. But we we need the people there to be there in four weeks' time, and you know, you know, the loss of, of you know loss of one one person in industry's life. But it might not be that one person. It might be the mother. It might it might mm. be the daughter. It might pass on to elderly parents. You know, we 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 surely we 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 can't we can't do that in today's yeah. society. We just we just we just can't allow that to go on. Yeah, trying to draw some positives from from all that, Mike. You, you mentioned the the uh, the working conditions. The, 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 you're on an offsite even more than I am, and there is a real mixed bag out there. when you you're referring to conditions on site, I mean, I I was on a site recently um, with um, I, I will name names with uh, one of the Robert Collard sites, and the welfare facilities there were cleaner than my house. Mm. Thankfully, my wife can't actually hear me saying that, but that was absolutely, I mean, th these these were absolutely pristine, absolutely pristine. Mm. But even today, that is not the rule. That's the exception. You know, I mean, th th there are times when I've quite happily crossed my legs rather than go in the facilities. Mm. You know, if, mm. if we can take any positives out of out of the situation that we're in, surely one of that one of those should be to improve the conditions on site, you know, to, to give the guys more space so they're not you know, eating lunch on each each other's laps and that kind mm. of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point, Mark. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Collards is one of our clients. So, you know, we work with Collards. And, but it makes no difference whether it's the most pristine site or it's the dirtiest site. If someone sits next to somebody who's got the virus and coughs, it, it makes it, you know, if, if, you know, we're talking about some of the cleanest facilities in the world and our construction sites and demolition sites now, especially going to London, some of the, the welfare facilities are unbelievably, you know, really, really good. But if you sit next to somebody on a tube or you sit next to somebody in a van or, you, or you're in a situation where you're going to get into the machine to give someone a, a, an instruction or you're going to pick a, something up, it doesn't matter how clean you are, that, that site will will potentially pass on on the virus and that's that's where we're not mm. you know we're, we're not sort of picking this up yes you know the welfare facilities following for cdm in 2015 fantastically improved and sites are massive and david will tell you that better than me but at the same time if this virus or someone coughs splutters goes on top of you it doesn't matter how, where you are in the country someone can pick it up and this is the yeah. bit what we're trying, trying to save and just quickly on on the numbers you know if someone doesn't infect somebody those numbers are not only not halving they're going from an infection of 450 people one person infected down to 14 so mm. we've got to really really change those figures they're, they're the ones we've got to change and for me a four week cessation of, of, of the works you know that's all we're asking for four weeks is mm. now on the flip side it, sorry sorry yeah. david that's right. The thing is, as well, you, you, in, in our particular industry, it, it, the definition of a cough, you know, with, there's a lot of dust floating around, there's a lot of, a lot of trades people, they cough every single day. Yeah. And they probably don't think they've got, you got any symptoms of the coronavirus. And that's why sometimes they might be just going to work. And the perception of a clean site, they might think, oh, it's okay here. They're doing all the cleaning. I'm fine. I've had this cough for a long, long time. And they might not get the real symptoms for it, but they probably don't realize they're actually passing it on to people. 
Mm. And it becomes a perception that, that you know that they're safe, but the longer they're on site, it increases the risk that everybody else is going to get it. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm with you guys. I think you know they they should stop them for for four weeks, um, and, and let let things settle and see how things go. Um, but I think you know there will be, after all this, there will be a massive change in behaviour. I think on sites how people will Absolutely. work, yeah, welfare facilities, yeah, even in social life. I think yeah. everyone will behave completely differently. Yeah. I mean, you know, we walked us around the corner from a field. We've got lots of people with dogs and stuff. And everybody's just keeping the distance. And it's just, it's strange how people switch behaviours so quickly. And you know, I, I really saw I, saw, I saw that up close and personal when I was over in the States. Yeah. Obviously, the, the Conexpo show there was about 140,000 people expected over four or five days and the first day i, I went to shake somebody's hand because that's what you do yeah. um, and they they gave me the elbow bump and from that point <laughs> on it was you know that became the way to do things but but yeah. where it really struck me i was I, I was traveling on a monorail into the show one morning um and i was sat beside a guy who had a, a baseball cap on not dissimilar to this one but it had vietnam vet written on it and the guy was mm. clearly old enough to have been there so you know he saw me looking at the hat and nodded and and i said you know i've never you know I'm, I'm a brit i've never met a Vietnam vet before he said oh you know I'm, I'm US Marine and all that's you know and we had a five-minute chat and at the end of it I being English you know I stood up and I said I'd just like to shake you by the hand and he looked looked at me like I'd offered to take him into a, a nice warm shower you know, <laughs> absolutely not you know but that's that's where we are that's the kind of thing yeah. we've got to get used to you know yeah. and I think I think from, from my point of view is you know I started off the demolition as a, as, as a laborer um you know and then went on to, to to work as a burner and then top man burner, machine driver, you know, went through the whole gamut of it. I understand how these these lads are feeling on site and these, you know, demolition companies, you know, they want to work. We, you know, we've just gone through Brexit and we're having a really, a really, really tough time. So I've got, I've got nothing but sympathy for these guys who want to go to work. I, I, you know, I feel for them. I understand where they're coming from in terms of financial and, and the financial hardships they've got. It's just that, you know, the old dad, my dad always says to me, there's no pockets in shrouds. So, you know, we've got to be, we've got to be care, we've got to be careful that you know we we don't get what we wish for going to work mm. and something really badly happens to to one to one person, and and I think that's the message that I I can say is I mean I, I mean I love the demolition industry I think it's the best industry in the world sorry David it's 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 my passion and I no, think no, I, I think I think the people I work with are fantastic and I've got made mm. some fantastic friends but you know. My my gamut now is it's just to protect the demolition industry, protect the people yeah. that are in there, protect the sites, and we will come back strong. And we will mm. come back. You know, all the things that's happened to the demolition industry, all the years that, that I've been involved in it, my father, and then before my father, my grandfather, everything that's got come from, we will come back stronger, and and we will innovate, uh, and we will take the industry back. But what what I, what would, what I'd hate to do is we find in four weeks' time that a site in, you know. A, B, and C is is picked up, and the four people have have, have got the virus. Two mm. can't survive. And David makes a great point before about the coughs. I mean, we're, we're traditionally not the most healthiest of bunch sometimes exactly. yep. in, in in the consultancy where you know we have had silica mm. dust or dust on our on our lungs. Mm. And you know, John Woodward would tell you, you know, you know, people get a cough. My dad has a as as a sometimes a permanent cough, but he's had that for years from from working on on the industry with dust. So. You know, we, we could be masking some of these yep. potential mm. symptoms Absolutely. that we see. Mm. Um, and David makes a, a great point on that. And I think that should be expanded to mm. say to these guys, look, you know, we have got problems on site. 
let's be safe. Let's let's mm. call it let's call a time from it. See where we are, where the government comes back, and hopefully in that time we'll have some testing and different types. So we, we will be better armed mm. in four weeks' time. But let's get this curve out the way first mm. before. Us. One thing that I think will happen until people realise it's a personal risk to them. Yeah, they won't really take any action. You know, unless that if one of their friends or one of their pals has got it or we've got to think, hold on a minute. That, if when it comes when it's close to home to a yeah. personal risk, that's when they might stand back and realise. I don't think I should go to work today because it's. Yeah. I know somebody who's close, who's you know who's suffering, and until mm. that realise, until they realise that, I don't think it's um, they would do anything. Just a, a point, and, and this sort of checks back to uh, our show yesterday. One of the things that I think this this virus and, and the outfall from it has has revealed is the way that we've uh, kind of modified our workforce. We've we've got obviously we've got a multi tiered in anyway so you've got main contractors and mm. specialist contractors and subcontractors and, and so on down the line and, and a lot of the guys that are at the very bottom of that ladder have one way or another been pushed into self-employment and self-funding so you know they're funding their own tickets you know that they get no health benefits or anything like that yeah those guys are going to be the, the hardest hit financially at least mm. in, in in the fallout from that are we at a point where we need to to look again at the way that we've structured our workforce Yes. Uh, well, 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 <laughs> that was a horrifying silence yeah, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Traditionally, in the, in the Danish industry, when I grew up in the industry, it was it was a, a lot of companies were family, especially from Liverpool, where I, I grew up, were, were family type organisations where you'd have 30, 40 guys who who generally either knew each other, was in there, and was all generally employed. Whereas we, we've moved we've moved slightly to away from that to sort of you know individual self-employed guys paying for their own ticket and a lot of the companies are sort of taking advantage of the fact that these guys are transient will come and work for them from in there but i think i think moving forward i think this may be a game changer where we'll go back to sort of you know a, not saying a family type business but a business where they'll be employed by the company they'll, they'll stay with them they'll train for mm. them they'll, they'll stay with them um i'm sure that the sort of uh, labor side of it can be brought in but i think i think it might be a bit of a game changer once this once mm. this is, is over yeah i agree with you i mean you know people's behavior will change their habits mm. will change and as time goes by those habits will just take over and this is you know the way they live their lives will just change as well so you know the longer it's we're off they're off sites they're you know at home cleaning their hands washing properly social distancing their behaviour will change. When they come to sites, it'll be a whole different environment for people to be working in. I think it will, be, you know, it will improve safety or improve the health of people as well. And they had to behave, looking after other people, um, not just themselves. I think there'll be a massive shift change in attitudes. Mm. And fingers crossed. Back to, and hopefully. Um, sorry, and, going back to know, Mike's point there about. Virus. Yeah, going back to Mike's point there about um, you know changing the way that we all work and, and mm. possibly going back to a more directly employed workforce. Yeah, surely that is an easier thing to control from a, a health and safety point of view. You know, if you're working with the same 10, 20, 50 guys day in, day out, you can you can instill in them a certain work ethos. And, and whereas if you're you're you know an agency worker one day mm. and a different agency worker the next, yeah. surely that's very very difficult, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, if you've got direct employed staff, you hopefully they're going to be you know, loyal to you. You'll be able to look after them better, um, and you know, you, hopefully you'll be able to get them all involved in, in working safely. 
the gig economy and things like that, that's doing the, that's doing the industry no favors at all anything like that uh, job security for them guys and their you know their families that's another issue what they might be going to work because they need they need funding uh, you know and, and finance to you know, feed their family and, and things like that but direct employees you have better control I say better control you, you, know, you make them feel involved more um, you can get them involved in how the companies run. If you're a subcontractor, they might be a little bit disconnected to the to the company. Um, it, it's it's it, I think it will change the employment side of things. Um, will that, if that will happen? I don't know. Employment contracts, employment law, and things like that. I'm not sure it will. My wife owns a recruitment company, and it's things that she has to deal with uh, employing people on a, a zero contract, which she doesn't agree with. And I, but the employer wants you know, to pick people up and put them down. And she's getting, having a hard time at the moment telling people that, sorry, you know, that your, your employer doesn't want you to be working today. And it's, it's, it's a tough one. And it's the same with, you know, with, with construction. You know, people can come and go all the time. And it's, unless you're direct employed, I think, you know, it's, um, it's, it's going to be tough for people. Yeah, I think, uh, it is tough for people. It is tough for people, yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that, that this, again, this came out of yesterday's show as well, it, it, one of the concerns that, that I have, the, the industry, I think, has, has made some fairly big strides in the field of uh, mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really going to focus that, I think. You know, we've, as I say, we've got a layer of our workforce who, you know, one way or another, you know, they, I spoke to a guy yesterday who has basically been laid off. He has no idea when he's going back to work. You know, he, he has no guaranteed income. He has no safety net whatsoever Sorry about you know that. Th- those guys we, we, we have to take care of the of their mental health and and that's not being done at the moment is it well i, th- I think we we, we have you still there david sorry Hello. Uh, I, I can hear you david hear you loud and clear i think we have moved massive strides in the industry in terms of um mental health i think we've moved you know if, if we would have said years ago that we'd you know We'd been in a situation where mental health training is 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 the norm across the industry. Uh, you know, it, it would have been a difficult one to to say a few years, but now I think it is, and I think we will we, we will learn the lessons of of the mental health and certainly this virus moving forward in in, in for our operatives' um, yeah. personal health and safety as well as their mental well-being, because no doubt about it, you know, we're hearing some horror stories about people's uh, mental. Uh, well-being and the virus now being, you know, overtaking them and being very, very scared. So I, I think we will, start, we will start to look after everybody. And I think, you know, some of the positives that will come out of this will, as I think that we will, will as, as an industry, we can certainly Hello. look after our, our workforce a lot better. We, we can hear you loud and clear, David. I've, I think you're back on screen now. Can you, can you hear us okay? No, not sure what's happened there. Let's take him out and bring him back again, see if that will help. Hello. Can you hear us, David? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Hello? Hello? Mm, not, I think we may have been defeated by technology there. Mike, one of the things that you and yes. I have discussed, uh, you know, in the, in the aftermath of accidents and, and that kind of thing is... The, the, the possible need, I don't think it's even possible anymore, I think it's a need for um, maybe a benevolent fund dedicated to yeah. the demolition industry. You know, we've, yeah. we've touched on this in the aftermath of yeah. of, of a couple of, of deaths in the past. 
I'm not entirely sure how big that pot would need to be to make sure that you know these guys that we're talking about being laid off at the moment to keep them on the on the straight and narrow. But surely the time has come, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to a couple of people in the industry a while ago yeah. about setting up a scheme where um, it was purely a uh, a voluntary arrangement where people could pay into the scheme, a fund would be set up, and if anyone did lose their life. Um, you know, there'd be a pot of money for, for the wife and, and the family. What what a problem happens in the past, and I've done quite a lot of accidents, accidents investigations, and, and the aftermath of a, of, of a tragedy is that sometimes the, the wife or the girlfriend or partner of, of the person who, who's been killed simply doesn't have access to, to a bank account or to funds, and simply short-term cannot pay for a funeral, cannot pay for food, cannot pay for the kids, cannot pay for anything because the money then goes into probate and the guy's account, bank account is, is frozen. And, you know, it, it's months and months and months. And we're not talking about, you know, huge fat cats in the city for these guys. We're talking about hard-working, demolition guys who really, really, you know, put put the graft in each week, don't earn a huge amount of money, but what they do earn, you know, is, is there. And, and with the cost of living, we'll probably spend what they earn during the course of a week or the month. So it's a really difficult one for them. So my, my thought was right. is that we would um, we would enter a, a benevolent fund, we, we, we would get a chat on charity status, and we'd put a situation where these, these the industry, you know, individual people in the industry would put money in as a voluntary one, and if somebody did have a, have a terrible accident or a fatality, there'd be a, there'd be a pot of, of, fun, of money to go in there. I remember in Liverpool in the years gone by when there was an accident or someone had a fatality, you know, the groups of, of, of the companies in the pool would have a whip round, they would they would collect money and they'd give it to the family. It's just something like that, but on a more controlled, uh, charitable status for, for these guys, just purely from, from one demolition guy to another uh, as a giving way moving forward there. Yeah, I, I think we've got a few technical difficulties with uh, with David. I, I can see him and... and uh, I, I, say. I can, yeah, I can hear him, but he, he can't hear us, I don't think. Are you, are you there, David? No, it looks like looks like we yeah. we may have lost him. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so we. Are, I, I guess the final question, Mike, because I know you've you've got much more important things to be doing than, than talking to to me all afternoon. Mm -hmm. Where do we go from here? Is it is it a case of just waiting for the government to pull their finger out? Is it a, a matter um, of Build UK I, I, and the rest of the associations to to pull their finger out, or do we just basically tell everyone here and now go home? Well, I mean, it, again, it's a really difficult one because people have got to put food and 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 table um, and you know food and bring money in. So it's a really difficult one. But I think that the positive today is the government is is helping self-employed. They're certainly helping them employed, and they're certainly putting money in into the into the into the economy to help people. So short term, I think you know you have to stand up and say, yeah, you know, well done. Um, it's a great one. In terms of what my own personal opinion is, and I'm not going to get into a spat with any organisation or trade. I just think from the from the really really decent guys I've spoke to in the demolition industry that that they've closed the sites. That they've said, look, enough's enough. That our, our guys are the most important thing there. The safety, um, nothing to do with any legal responsibilities. They're just good demolition industry. They've said, look, let's close the site. Let's go home. And let's wait and, and 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 see what comes up in a few weeks, few months from from government one. Hopefully, and we all pray that this um, curve will be flattened down and we'll we'll get through this pandemic. 
But I think from my point of view and the advice I, I'm giving to people is to close is to close sites. And a lot of demolition sites are, are following following through. And today, as I said before, a lot of the building contractors are closing their sites as well. Uh, glad to hear it. Mike, look, I, I think we've lost David altogether, but thanks no ever problem. so much for your time today. I really appreciate no your input. No uh, yeah. I, I know David probably can't hear me, but I want to say thank you to him anyway. I'm yeah. going to sign you both out now, uh, let you get on with the day job. Keep up the good work, Mike. Um, good luck to Everton when, when the football season starts again. Yeah. Okay, Not too well, much good luck because, yeah. you know, but we, we, need, we need all the points we can get. Yeah, so the more important thing is to keep the lads safe. That's yeah, the most absolutely. Important thing. That was going to be my sign off. You may have beaten me Harry. to it. Sorry, sorry. You, I'll leave that one to you. Many thanks indeed, Mike. Thanks for your thanks. participation thanks. today. So we, we had a few technical difficulties. I guess that's part and parcel of, of this business in, in live streaming. Um, it's not the first time, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. Um, I'd really just like to echo what Mike has, has said at the end there. Um, hopefully he is absolutely right. Hopefully we are in a situation where... Um, sites are closing um i think it's a it's a shame that the government responded a little too slowly i think it's an even bigger shame that the the trade association serving the industry responded even more slowly um but i'm i'm pleased to hear that you know a lot of the demolition contractors and, and those that they're working for are making the decision themselves to close the sites and keep their their men and women safe um nothing more to say really uh, we'll be back here again at three o'clock tomorrow thanks to mike um for taking part thanks also to david and happy birthday once again david hope you uh, have a great birthday um and you can find something more interesting to do than talking to me on your birthday um we'll be back here again at three o'clock tomorrow thanks ever so much for watching thanks for your comments thanks for your participation stay safe and look after yourselves and each other thanks a lot